Chelsea. This woman is a disgrace. Hello and welcome to Chelsea Disgrace Podcast. I hope everyone had a wonderful Easter this past weekend. And I hope the Cadbury cream eggs were plentiful and the marshmallow peeps were kept to a minimum because no one actually likes those nasty things. But when I was a kid, I got them every year in my Easter basket and then they'd sit in my room all year till they were hard enough to break like all your teeth out. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I discovered the art of blowing them up in the microwave, which is incredibly fun. I also hope that all of you had a very bountiful Easter feast free of diarrhea or food poisoning or awkward conversation, which is how most of my family holiday dinners go. Nobody in my family um, is actually religious or knows anything about what Easter actually is. I myself had to refer to Google to see, you know, what was up. I mean, I know it had something to do with Jesus and what I'm sure was many of his triumphs because that fucker just doesn't quit. I mean, he's always up to something adventurous with like a holy-esque vibe to it, so... Upon my Google search, uh, I learned that Easter is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And it sort of made me feel better for always referring to Easter as Ham and Potato Day. Because if I was resurrected, the first thing on my mind would be food, motherfuckers. Om nom nom nom. And don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Jesus probably felt the same way. Uh, my resurrection would probably sound like something like this. Like, Where is the nearest hot dog stand? I need funnel cake immediately. And then I eat myself like back into a coma. Forgive me for the crude comparison, but sometimes spending the holidays with my family feels, you know, just as painful as being nailed to a cross. I mean, I'm the only single one in the family, aside from my widowed Nana, who is completely badass. Like, she can drink any college guy under the table, is balling like a gangster, and I'm pretty sure she's immortal. So that means I'm stuck at the singles slash children's table. And since there are no children in my family, and seeing as my Nana has has seniority, guaranteeing her a spot at the head table. It's basically just me sitting at a 25-year-old metal folding table, hoping the legs don't give out during the meal. So uh, back to my main man, Jesus, for a sec. Um, you know how everyone has that shitty friend who like never wants to hang out, never calls, never messages you, never asks how your day was, but like when you were moving, they weren't around to help, but when you throw your super sick annual pool party slash barbecue bash, they seem to always show up with a loud, obnoxious asshole attitude, first in line for a hot dog, cannonballs in the pool, acting like it hasn't been a year since they've seen you last. Well, in my eyes, um, or sorry, in the eyes of Jesus, my family is uh, that shitty, obnoxious friend. As if we didn't take enough advantage of Juicy J already by getting a paid day off work and stuffing our faces with like pig, turkey, and other animal carcasses, we always pray on Christmas and Easter. Every other night, you know, praying optional, like no pants, no prayers, no problem kind of policy. 
All the food we stuff our fat faces with all year is just like, rub-a-dub-dub, make room for this grub. But no, on Christmas and Easter, it's like, hey, Jesus, thanks, man, for this food, eh? Like, I mean, you really didn't have to provide us with this bounty on your birthday slash resurrection, dude. But wow, yeah, thanks. Uh, we really appreciate it. We always have, like, the same really shitty prayer every holiday, too. It's, like, a really crappy song I learned from grade school. It's, like, from my grade one cracked-out teacher. Like, thank you, God, for the food we eat. Thank you, God, for the world so sweet. Thank you, God, for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. And I just know it's, like, when a Taylor Swift song comes on in the car for, like, the eighth time during your 10-minute drive and you have to change it before you, you know, kill yourself by driving full speed into the front window of a building, God is probably like, are you fucking kidding me again? Like, this shitty fucking prayer again, guys. Now it's going to be stuck in my head all day. I'm going to be humming it all day at work up at the pearly gates. Probably going to lose focus and let in a few sinners, maybe a handful of murderers or Bill Cosby or something. Our half-hearted attempt at praying isn't even the worst part either. The worst part of the dinner is the conversation. When everybody talks about what's new and exciting in their lives, which for my cousins, my aunts, and my uncles is a story about, you know, being pregnant or the cool vacation they just went on or how things are going with the boyfriend. And I'm over at the singles table, which, like I said, is just as unstable as my life. And I'm like... Yeah, work is good. Like, I saw this dog in the drive-thru the other day. Gave him an old bagel. He licked my hand. It was a good day. And, you know, I would talk about something cool like this podcast or my quest to become a stand-up comedian. But my family thinks my humor is disgusting, offensive, and inappropriate, which it totally is. So I try to stay as quiet as I can during family functions. You know, like, I wouldn't want to make a splash and, you know, moisten anybody's dry sense of humor or anything. But I distinctly remember one holiday dinner over at my uncle's house. Uh, A few of the regulars couldn't make it. So (laughs) do you know what that meant? Yes, there was room for me at, drumroll please, the adult table, bitches. And although I was only there due to forfeiting, the fact was I had made it there. And if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. Cause it's head table, head table. I'd like to thank all the little tables. I'll never forget where I came from. Seems like yesterday I was at a table that requires me to get a tetanus shot after sitting at it. Now I'm here at the adult table with chairs that don't need to be folded in half and stuffed in the garage after use. A table with edges that don't slice your elbows when reaching for the gravy. A table with people talking about things. This is truly an honor. However, I was unfortunately the topic of conversation at this particular dinner, and it wasn't a nice conversation about, you know, how my job is or my hobbies or anything. It was about my family questioning my sexuality. When I was asked why I was single and I couldn't really provide a concrete answer, my family decided that I was probably a lesbian. So they figured, well, Chelsea always goes for those gay guys. She doesn't currently date any men. She farts a lot. She eats a lot. She wears plaid a lot. There is literally no other possible solution, except for she's a big old lesbian. 
definitely can't be because she is independent or likes to fill her time with things like learning or reading. She's obviously gay. And I sort of just sat there while they went over the evidence in the case of me being gay. And I could not give less of a fuck if my family thinks I'm gay. I'm not gay, but I know what could sort of sway my decision. People are always referring to vaginas as looking like an Arby's roast beef sandwich. Now, if this were actually true and vaginas did look and or taste like an Arby's sandwich, then I'd be the biggest fucking rug muncher this side of Home Depot. Like, am I right? You bet your sweet Doc Martens I'm right. Now, I'm not a sweets person, but um, I'm, I'm more of a fat drippings person, but the, uh, the dessert at this dinner was actually epic. And uh, let me tell you why. So after we said our shitty little prayer, uh, I apologized to God under my breath, and I think he was like... You know what, Charles? Uh, I recognize your apology. I accept it, and I'm gonna throw you a bone today. And he just uh, he did just that. Dinner rolls around, or sorry, dessert rolls around, and uh, my aunt unveils a beautiful carrot cake, which isn't my thing at all. I mean, vegetables have no right being inside a cake. It's like putting Megan Fox in a movie. It looks nice, but it just sort of ruins it. Anyway, so she's bringing the cake over to the table when she sneezes. And she drops the whole fucking cake on the ground. And oh, sweet Jesus, was it funny? I could not stop laughing. So she ends up scooping it onto a plate um, into kind of what looked like a pile of barf. And everyone just ate it anyway, except for me. I just sat there with a big old lesbian grin on my face just watching. It was absolutely perfect. Everyone in my family has a fucking dog. Like, nobody goes anywhere without bringing their dog. So when we have a family get-together... Dogs usually outnumber people, and how the dogs haven't come up with a plan yet to kill us all and feast on turkey and ham is beyond me, but I remember one dinner at my sweet Nana's house. We all sit down, offend God, have a three-minute argument about whether we're passing the food to the left or the right, and are about to eat when I look out the window, and the dogs are in the backyard just all having sex with each other and taking big old dumps. It was gross, hilarious, and uncomfortable at the same time. It was sort of the comedic relief to the night's previous events when the uh, stove caught on fire because everyone was piss-ass drunk and forgot we were actually cooking a meal. Um, Not only are we borderline alcoholics, but we're all fucking idiots because when we eventually noticed, you know, the stove was flaming more than an all-drag queen cast of rent, we all just panicked, like in that scene in Christmas Vacation when, like, the cops raid the house there at the end. We're like, do we put baking soda or baking powder on it? Soda or powder, guys? Soda or powder? And it was before people used their phones for the internet, so... We had one person run to the computer room and boot up the desktop so we could ask Jeeves, not realizing the whole fucking house could have burned down as well as the earth as the sun swallows it in the end of the world tragedy before that ancient piece of shit could boot up and actually give us the answer. I can't remember exactly how we got the fire out, but I'm assuming my Nana probably climbed atop a chair, jumped up grabbed onto the chandelier, swinging her immortal body on top of the flames, smothering them till they died, and somehow managed to salvage all the food, serving it with her finest Martha Stewart dishware and a smile. Like I said, my Nana is badass and cannot be scorched by the weak flames of a simple stove fire. She will never die. She is the Betty White of the non-famous world. If you have a Nana, 
a grandma, a Nona, or a Mimi that you think could compete with my Nana, I like to challenge her to a granny duel, which is a series of tasks testing the agility, speed, resilience, and blood pressures of our grandmothers to see which can overcome obstacles such as fastest bingo dabber, who can sort their pills into the most colorful arrangement, wine box keg stands, who can stay at the casino the longest, and who could cross-stitch the Last Supper scene the fastest. My Nana would win every time, no doubt. One holiday party, I watch her suck back three Jägermeister shots in a row. No chaser. She wipes her mouth and says, Oh, that's smooth. And she says that about everything. You could light a shot of gasoline on fire, tell her it's like an exotic vodka, and she'd say it went down like butter. She's she's great. I remember one family dinner here at my house. Um, it wasn't a holiday, but it really sticks out in my mind. It was just me, mom, dad, and my younger brother. My brother was probably around 18 and I was uh, 21. So we're all just at the table eating when uh, all of a sudden my dad pulls out an old pack of gum. And he throws it on the table and says, Now, son, I was cleaning out your room today and I found this. You know I'm not going to stand for this in my house. I'm like, geez, Dad, like, I know you're a dentine ice kind of guy, but what's wrong with Trident? Then he pulls out a joint from the pack of gum, and my brother pulls out the classic line. Like, it's not mine, it's my friend's. And he looks scared as fuck, but I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I felt like I was in an episode of Seventh Heaven. It was very fun for me. So after my dad grills my brother a bit, he throws the weed in the garbage. Uh, I tried to convince him to sell it, but he wasn't on board. So we go about eating. Five minutes goes by, and then my dad reveals another one of his grand discoveries. He goes, son, I also found these in your room. And from what I feel was like thin air, he pulls out two 40s of old English and pounds them down on the table, and I'm just in my glory. Like, I think this is hilarious. Dinner and a show? I'm a lucky girl. Hidden weed in old English. I never knew my brother was a ghetto black man, but to each their own, right? So when I was a kid, Christmas dinner was always a very nerve-wracking experience uh, for me. Um, this is so because my cousins, my brother and I, used to put on an annual Christmas play production for um, all the adults uh, after dinner um, down in my cousin, uh, cousin's basement. So we would spend weeks prior to Christmas preparing for this, uh, practicing till it was perfect. We even specially designed handwritten programs for all those uh, people who attended the show was pretty legit, so this went on for several years with no glitches until that one Christmas production when I completely embarrassed myself on stage. And by stage, I mean an old treadmill we would use as a stage. I remember it as if it was yesterday. We decided to do a variety show that year, and I was part of the performance of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, my big part in the song was after we sang, They wouldn't let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. I'd then step forward and say, Like Monopoly! And I'd hold up the iconic board game Monopoly just to give the audience a little visual. However, in rehearsal, we were using checkers as a stand-in until one of our dads could dig out Monopoly from the attic. So on the big day, when we were live, I heard my cue, Join in any reindeer games. Step forward... Hold Monopoly up over my head with such pride, like I'm in The Lion King, presenting my baby cub, and then I say, like checkers, and I freeze. What have I done? Let down the whole cast, all three of them. This was so embarrassing. All I could do was nervously giggle, and my mom, she could tell I was upset. 
I saw her over in the balcony, and by balcony I mean the lazy boy in the corner, and she mouthed to me, It's okay, baby. But it wasn't okay, not for me. I knew this would demote me in all future productions, and I knew I deserved it. I just wanted to lock myself in my dressing room, but the budget wouldn't allow me to have one. I had nowhere to hide and no choice but to finish out the rest of the play. I knew every time I hit the stage after that, the audience was thinking, There's that girl who fucked up Rudolph. What a fucking joke. We knew our time was running out, so after that we threw one more summer production of Spice World, which was our last performance ever. And then the troupe broke up due to irreconcilable differences, such as my oldest cousin was always the director, so she always got the lead role, leaving me and my other female cousin fighting for the sidekick character. And my brother was the only dude, so naturally he had to play all the boy parts. You know, like, that's a lot of pressure for a young boy. And I'm guessing this is maybe what drove him to smuggle weed in gum packs and guzzle malt liquor like a laid-off factory worker. I think the main reason we broke up, though, was because we started getting into other things like having friends. However, as oblivious and as weird as my family can be, I had to work this Easter and couldn't attend my family dinner, and I actually kind of missed it. I mean, I can never get enough of overhearing my family and trying to comfort my mom by saying, don't worry, sweetie, your son will have grandchildren one day. Chelsea, she'll never be married, but I know Brett, that's my brother, will settle down and have a beautiful family, and you can help raise them. It's like, I'm in the next room. I can fucking hear you. It makes me want to walk into the middle of the room and say, I find your lack of faith in me finding a husband disturbing, but my family isn't cool enough to get that reference, and I'm guessing it would only make them feel more awkward and just validate their prediction of me dying alone. A sort of a depressing note to leave on, but as always, I'm here to make you feel better about yourself, one Chelsea Grace problem at a time. Thank you for listening. Take care, and don't forget to email me naked pictures of yourself at chelseadisgrace at gmail.com, and follow me on Instagram at chelseadisgrace. Bye!